Well, have you ever looked at your family of origin and wondered, am I really related to these people? (laughs) Do we really have the same bloodline? Because I'm just not seeing it here, right? (laughs) Well, that's what happened to Shelly. As Shelly was growing up, she realized that she didn't look either like her mother or her father. She had a very round face and a round chin. Her mom and dad had pointy chins. She had a strong, sturdy build. Her mom and dad were slight people. And Shelly had a really quirky sense of humor, and she found the oddest things really funny, and she was able to make a joke out of anything. Unlike her stoic parents, who were very prim and proper and and didn't like to laugh. (laughs) Shelly knew that she was adopted, and she dreamed of her birth mother and her birth father. She wondered what they looked like, what kind of values they had, what would her life have been like if she had been raised by them. She had a strong longing for her true sense of identity. Well, believe it or not, you and I have a similar story. Maybe you've just never recognized it before. Your family of origin, your birth parents, aren't your truest family. As we pick up um, our series in Ephesians 3, 14 to 19, we're going to see together today that God is our true father, And the moment that you accept Christ, you have a new family. And with that family comes a new identity, new values, and new resources. But before we jump into God's word, let's just take a minute and pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for um, your word. Thank you that it is alive and active and able to speak to us so clearly. And I'm just asking that you would, um, through me, give a life-giving word from your spirit to each of us. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and even um, a willingness to take what you're speaking to us and implement it and maybe even change some things in our life. We thank you. We give this morning to you for your honor and glory alone in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, our portion of scripture today is Ephesians 3, 14 to 19, and I have made this scripture my memory verse for the month, and so I just asked April out in the, the comments, I said, is that going to seem like inappropriate for me to say this is my memory verse, and because I don't want to act like a, a show-off or anything like that, and she's like, no, I think it's a good example for us to see that we can do hard things of memorizing God's word, and, and God's word is meant to memorize, to be memorized so that it can go down deep into our hearts, and so that we can call it up as needed, and so it can, so that it can give us life. So, I'm not going to look at the confidence monitor back there. I'm going to try from memory. I might get it wrong, but God's grace covers that, right? Right. And it's really not verbatim that we're after. It's after heart transformation that we're after that we can remember. Okay. For Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being 
rooted and established in love, may have the power to grasp, as all the Lord's holy people should, something like that, (laughs) how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. Pretty, pretty close, right? Pretty close. Well, I, I didn't want to clap. Thank you, Jesus. It's really an example, okay, that, that we can memorize God's word. And not just our little kids can memorize God's word. It's a good spiritual practice for us as adults as well. All right. What we're going to be talking about is the the stage is set in verse 14 for what we're going to be talking about. In verse 14, we see an amazing truth about God. And that is that God is our Father. Father God. Paul says that he kneels before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. If you look up that word father in the original language, the the Greek language, you'll see that the word father is the Greek word pater, pater. And Thayer's Greek lexicon says this about that word pater and in this context, God is the father of all beings, both angels and men, because of four things. He's their creator, He's their preserver, he's their guardian, and he is their protector. So God is the father of the created angels in heaven and of all men and women on earth because he created them. He preserves them, he guards and protects us. And that's the definition of a good father. A father can easily create a child, right? But a good father provides for all of their needs, both physical and emotional as well, by watching over, guiding, guarding, protecting. And that's who Paul says he is kneeling before, is that father, that father who is intimately involved in his children's lives. And then influenced by the Holy Spirit, Paul takes this even a step further in verse 15, and he says that it's from Father God pater, that every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Interestingly, if you look at the Greek word for family, it's a derivative. It comes from that word pater, father. It's patria, patria, and that's defined as lineage running back to some person from which a person is descended or originates. So going back, 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 there's one originator, and God is the originator of the family, men and women, all the, all the people on earth. <laughs> and so we're talking about ancestry here, a group of people who lay claim to a common origin. And what Paul is saying is that God is the father of all created beings in heaven and on earth. Genesis 1.26 confirms this when God says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along on the ground. So physically and practically, creator God is the father through whom every family on earth derives its name. But here's the thing. God gives every single person on earth the freedom to choose 
whether they will be a part of God's family or not. Interestingly enough, choice is the one thing that separates angels and men from other created beings. And we can even see this up in heaven. Remember when Lucifer started out as an angel and then he decided, he chose because he had the freedom of choice. He chose that instead of worshiping, he wanted to be worshiped. And a third, scripture tells us that a third of the angels agreed with that and they chose to leave God's presence. So angels, created beings in heaven have choice. You and I here on earth have choice as well. And the ability to choose is part of the image of God, and it's what separates us from other created beings. You choose to become part of God's family when you believe his son Jesus and accept his death and his resurrection as the payment for your sin. And when that happens, scripture tells us that we are adopted into God's family. Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us in his, into his own family by bringing, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and he gave, it gave him great pleasure. Isn't that beautiful? that God chose to, in advance, to adopt us into his family, and, and it's what he wanted to do, and it made him really happy about it. I think that's really precious, <laughs> actually. <laughs> so when you say yes to Jesus, you find your true family. You are a true son. You are a true daughter of God's kingdom. And with that come all the blessings and responsibilities that that entails. I had a friend once tell me that when she became a Christian, it was like she found her real people. <laughs> Has anyone ever felt that way? Like you, you, you look at your family of origin, maybe, and then you look at um, the people in the family of God, and you're like, these are my people. And, and that's very true. The family aspect of Christianity is really compelling, isn't it? Especially when we have brokenness in our own families of origin. This friend told me that that she loved that she had a father God who um, provided for her and that God even show, showed some mothering aspects by nurturing and caring for her. That's what God does. And, and that now she had a whole big family full of brothers and sisters, grandparents, aunt, uncles, all of those kinds of things. And that's true for us. When we say yes to Jesus, our family, the family of God, is truer family to us than, than our birth family, our, our family heritage, um, family of origin. It's a real blessing when your spiritual family is also your, your um, blood family, isn't it? That's like the best blessing in the world. <laughs> Ephesians three fourteen to 19 is a small portion of scripture, and it's a really simple, heartfelt, yet spirit-inspired prayer that Paul prayed over the Ephesian church. In these six verses, we see three things that belonging to God's family includes shared family identity, shared family values, and shared family resources. So let's talk first a little bit about identity. When we say yes to Jesus and become a part of God's family, we get a new name, and that name is Christian, which means follower of Christ. 
That new name, Christian, now identifies us more than anything else in our life. It identifies us more than our earthly heritage, more than our last name, more than our personality or Enneagram number, (laughs) more than our past choices, more than how we identify ourselves sexually, more than fill in the blank. The name Christian supersedes anything else because you and I are now in Christ. And to have the identity of Christ means that you have the same essential character and characteristics that Christ has. Ephesians 1.13 sums this up beautifully. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. God identifies you as his own. Is there anyone here today who just needs to hear that and rest in that for a minute, that God identifies you as his own? And that means you are seen. That means you are chosen. You are accepted. You belong. You matter. And you are his special, well-loved son or daughter. Just like certain nationalities have family crests or signet rings or a coat of arms that identifies them as a family, God has given his family the Holy Spirit, and that's what identifies us as his. When you belong to God's family, you identify as a Christian first and foremost. And as a side note, this week in our Bible reading plan, we're going to be reading through Ephesians 1, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, and we're going to be looking for any time that it says in Christ, and we're going to be underlining that and then noting who we are, who, who God gives us because of this family identity as a, as a Christian. And I think that's a really great um, exercise to do, and so I encourage you to do that. And by the way, if you want to get a morning text every day that reminds you what to read, you can text the word Bible to 43506, and you'll get a text at 6.30 a.m. every morning to remind you to read your Bible. Okay, so we as Christians have a shared family identity, and, and that's we are in Christ. We are followers of Christ. We also have shared family values, shared family values. Have you ever been around a family who really just seems to have a strong sense of purpose, a strong sense of who they are collectively as a group and and what they're about? Like, this is the way this family does this. We are last name and that's why we do this, that type of thing. That would also be an amazing thing to do, to take some time to write a family mission statement and see what your values are as a family. But in the family of God, as Christians, first and foremost, that's our identity, we also have shared family values. And these values are our standards of behavior or what we think is important in life. Now, when you think of the top core values in God's family, what comes to mind? If you had to choose two or three core values in God's family, what, what would come to your mind? Just think about that for a second. In this portion of scripture, Paul touches on two big family values. And I personally would even argue that these are the top two core values in God's family. And they are the values of love, first and foremost, and secondly, generosity. Love and generosity. Love is mentioned several times in this 
small portion of scripture, especially in verses 17 through 19. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. The reason why love is such a foundational core value in God's family is because as John 1, 4 tells us, God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Love is not just a value of God's, it's his basic foundational character. If you said God is love, you could take out that word is and put in an equal sign, and it would be God equals love. That is who he is. And the amazing thing, the amazing truth is that when we live in love, we are also living in God, and God is living in us. That's a, a pretty fascinating thing, tr a truth to think about. So as Christ's followers, our directive is to live a life of love. And again, in Ephesians 5, verse 2, we, we see this directed to us. It says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Live a life of love, following the example of Christ. We all need reminders from time to time, don't we, that love is um, our standard of behavior. Love is what we think is important in life, and I think that's why those um, bracelets from a few decades ago, WWJD bracelets, what would Jesus do, were so popular because you'd be like driving down the road and someone cut you off and going to lift up your middle finger, you see your bracelet and you're like, oh, I don't think Jesus would be doing that, right? <laughs> so that, and now it's changed from WWJD to H-W-L-F, he would love first. And so we need those reminders of, of love, that that is our value. Love is what we think is important in life. The second core value in God's family that we see in this portion of scripture is the value of generosity. Now that word generosity isn't specifically mentioned in this portion of scripture, but it is definitely implied throughout, and it's also mentioned and implied in other portions of scripture as well. But if you look at verse 18 in Ephesians 3, it says, Christ's love is generous. It isn't just a little bit of love, it is wide and long and high and deep, meaning that there is so much love that it's uncontainable. Also in verse 19, Paul wants God's family to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Not just a quarter measure of the fullness of God, half, three quarters, but filled to the measure and even overflowing with the fullness of God. And in both of these verses, we see an abundance mindset. This isn't a scarcity mindset. This is an abundance mindset. And the reason why is because back in, in verse 16, we read that God is rich out of his glorious riches. He has unlimited resources, and that's why he's so generous. Being finite flesh, 
it's difficult for me, I don't know about you, but it's difficult for me to truly understand the unlimited resources of God. Because everything in our life needs to be replenished. Every 24 hours, your rest needs to be replenished. Or if you're fighting an illness or have toddlers, you might need to replenish your rest a couple times a day. (laughs) Um, Every week, two weeks or month, your finances need to be replenished, right? Right? Our bodies need to be replenished with hydration and fuel. And because of our limited resources, it can be difficult for us to grasp that God never, ever, ever runs out of resources, including things like his forgiveness will never run out, his compassion will never run out, his grace will never run out. And yet knowing that we have limited resources, Paul reminds us that God doesn't, and that we are to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Have you ever wondered why God wants you to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God? Is it so that you can be fat and happy (laughs) with the fullness of God? (laughs) No, that's not the reason why. The reason why is so that we can exercise the family value of generosity, just like God does. That word generosity is defined as a readiness to give more than is necessary or expected, or to be liberal in your giving. And I want to give an example about that. It's One's a negative example, one's a positive example. When Mark and I were in Bible college, he had a roommate that worked at at a server as a restaurant. I had a roommate who worked at a server as a a server as a restaurant. And these people were working really hard to pay their way through school. They didn't have any financial assistance, and so they relied on the money that they made to pay their way through school. And I remember that they would get so very frustrated by Christian people who they would see praying before their meal and then barely leave a tip at the end of the meal. The thing that really ticked them off is when instead of leaving a a money tip, they would leave a tract. And if you don't know what that is, that's a little book, a little booklet about Jesus and salvation. They'd leave a tract instead of a trip, uh, instead of a tip. And Jesus' tracts are great, don't get me wrong, but they don't pay the bills, right? <laughs> so that was a frustration to them. And at that point, Mark and I kind of started this unspoken rule between us that if we didn't have enough money to leave a generous tip, then we didn't have enough money to go out and eat. And that has been the case often, that we didn't have the money to leave a generous tip so we wouldn't go out to eat. The positive example of this is we had another friend in college who also waited tables, and um, he would work on the weekends, and he started developing a friendship with an older guy who would come into the restaurant, and they'd start talking about their lives and things like this. And One time, the guy asked our friend Brad, he said, well, what are you studying in school? And Brad said, well, I'm studying to become a pastor. And from that moment on, every weekend, when this older man would come in and eat at that restaurant, he would leave Brad a $100 bill as a tip. And that was like 20, 30 years ago. So that's an amazing, positive example of generosity, isn't it? Now, I would be remiss if I also didn't point out that generosity isn't just in regards to material possessions. 
There are lots of ways that we can give more than is necessary or expected. You can have a generous spirit. You can have a generous opinion of others. Or you can give a generous gift of your time. Two core values in God's family, love and generosity. In fact, if we look at arguably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, we again see these two values as primary. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. That is a beautiful description of the family values of love and generosity. Love motivated God to give more than what was necessary or expected, certainly more than we deserved. He gave us his son. And someone once said that you are most like God when you give. The good news here about having family identity and shared family values is that God doesn't ask us to have those family values of love and generosity without giving us the resources, the shared family resources to live those values. In God's family, the Father gives us resources to live our identity and live our values. And there are at least two family values that we see in Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. The first one is riches, and the second one is power through the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm only going to touch briefly on these, but I'd encourage you to study and look it up and, and meditate on this throughout this week. Ephesians 3.16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Our resources as Christians are God's riches, glorious riches, and also power through God's spirit. All of Christ's riches are yours. Someone once said that that word grace, if you made it into an acronym, it would be God's riches at Christ's expense, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. All of Christ's riches, all of God's riches are yours as a member of God's family. And it's a lot easier to be generous when you understand that there is enough to go around for everyone, right? You don't have to scrap and scrape for everything that you've got. God's got more than enough and it will never run out. His resources are limited. And not only that, you are strengthened with Holy Spirit power. That's amazing. Ephesians 1, 19 to 20 tells us how strong that Holy Spirit power really is. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So the question is, If the Holy Spirit can raise Jesus from the dead, what can he do in you? What can he do for you? And what can he do through you? As we get ready to make some application and wrap some things up here, I want to share something. And as I was preparing my message, I really felt like this was something that that needed to be said. And it's something that often keeps us from living in the fam- living fully in the family identity, family values, and family resources of God. 
And it's something that's called a scarcity mindset. A scarcity mindset mindset takes the reality of limited resources a little too far. (laughs) Um, It says, since I have limited or insufficient resources, I need to hold on to what I've got because I can't give away my limited resources, whether they be tangible or intangible. For example, how many times did you hear growing up or how many times have you said, we can't do that because we don't have enough time, we can't do that because we don't have enough money? And all that, although that might be true, we do have limited resources. That can easily turn into a mindset that keeps us from living in the identity, values, and resources of God's family. Because in God's family, there's always room for more. We can include and draw in and embrace more. Jesus made it so, so anyone who desires to come to him can come. Revelation twenty two seventeen. the spirit and the bride say come. Let anyone who hears this say come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let, let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. God's got enough love and God's got enough resources to go around. And he doesn't bless one of us at the expense of another one of us. That's not the kind of God we serve. And depending on how you were raised in your earthly family, this may be a little bit of a difficult concept to understand because maybe as a child you had a sibling who was the favored child. (laughs) Or maybe due to life circumstances of, of a parent in their personal life, their marriage, or they were dealing with one of your siblings a lot, you felt like your parents didn't have enough time or energy or care to give to you. Maybe you didn't have the same degree of abilities that your sister had or even that your parents had, so you didn't feel like you were enough. Growing up and feeling like there wasn't enough or that you weren't enough is something that many of us can relate to. I I would say it's part of the human condition. But left unchecked and left unhealed, this scarcity mindset can hinder us from the fullness Christ wants to deposit in us to give to others through us. I think we all need God's grace to be realistic about our resources, but also not let a scarcity mindset control us. Because Ephesians 3.19 says, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And that really is the end result of being a part of this family. And it's also the goal of Paul's prayer that he prayed over the Ephesians is that they would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And in fact, this is the second time that he mentions fullness of God. The first time in his letter that he mentioned that was in his opening prayer for the Ephesians, Ephesians 1.23. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who, feel, who fills all things everywhere with himself. So here we see again the fullness and the completeness that God wants his family to have. 
And that's the end result of being a part of a group who are filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We're complete, we're full, or in other words, we're whole. We're not fragmented, we're not all broken up, we're whole. And, and there are times that, I mean, we are fragmented, but Jesus wants to bring wholeness in our lives and that wholeness can come from Christ. And here's the thing, the vehicle that God uses to bring wholeness to people is through his family, the church. And I saw a really beautiful illustration of this this past week at AMP camp. I got to go up to assist our nurse, Allison, and kind of love on her little ones as she did all of her important nursely roles. Um, But there were 99 students who came from this Cheney area um, to camp. There were about 20 or 30 leaders and volunteers who showed up. Now, here's the thing. When they got off the bus, they didn't have to, like, um, pretend to be something that they weren't. They showed up as they were, right? No pretenses, no masks, just real people with strengths, people with weaknesses, lots of tears, lots of laughter. There were doubts. There was strong belief. There were questions, and there were faith. But we were all there under the name and under the authority of Christ, some already members of God's family, and some not. I got to see with my own two eyes the shared family values of love and generosity, giving more than was required or expected, and that was displayed off the charts, in an off-the-charts way. And I want to just give you a couple little glimpses of what that looked like, okay? So the first one was a couple who came to serve at camp, and they literally rolled into camp after a five-week-long road trip. In fact, they drove extra miles the days before so that they could get to camp on time to serve. And they didn't even stop by their house on the way to freshen up or get anything. They just rolled right into camp, ready to serve. There were leaders who took personal vacation time to serve these kids because of their the leader's love and generosity that God had placed in their heart, that, those shared family values. We had kitchen staff who prepped and served three meals a day with smiles on their faces and kind and encouraging words on their lips. We had three guys besides Mark who brought up their boats and filled them with gas out of their own pocket. And they put wear and tear on their boats, pulling kids tubing for hours on end. (laughs) The cabin leaders kept a generosity of spirit and loved on their campers despite getting very little sleep. (laughs) And I could go on and on and on. But this is a picture of what I'm talking about here in this message from Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. At camp... As God's family, we lean deep into our shared family resources of God's glorious riches and Holy Spirit power. And this was the result, one of the results. On the final night of camp, our camp speaker who grew up in this church and is now a pastor at North Church in Spokane, 
he invited students to become part of God's family. And he did it in such a cool way. He said, I'm not going to just ask you to have your eyes bowed and everyone close your eyes and raise your hand. He said, no, I'm going to have you stand up. I'm going to have you stand up. And some 30 students stood up saying yes to become part of God's family. Finding God as their true father and beginning to realize their identity in Jesus. And this is a a really beautiful picture of what Paul was praying for the Ephesian church. And it's a picture of what God wants for his church, for our church, his big C, capital C church globally, but it's also what he wants for us as a local church, CFC. He wants his family to be a safe place to struggle, to doubt, to grow, to heal, to ask hard questions, to be loved, and to belong. Belonging to God's family, having shared family identity, shared family values, and shared family resources fills us up to the measure of all the fullness of God, making us full and complete whole. So that We can be on mission with Jesus to help others find wholeness in Christ too. This is our shared family identity. These are our shared family values. And these are our shared family resources. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the truth of your word. Thank you that is life and health to our whole body. And Lord, I, I just want to take a moment and there may be when I was talking about that scarcity mindset, there may be some of us here who recognize that, that that's something that you've been operating out of in your life and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying you don't have to live in that scarcity mindset because you have God's glorious riches and you have Holy Spirit power. And if that is you, if God is just working in your heart in that way, would you raise your hand so I could pray over you? Okay. Thank you. Jesus, you see these hands that are raised. And thank you for the courage that it took to raise hands. And Lord, I know that you meet us right where we're at. And you're drawing us. Drawing us closer to you to be filled more with you. And I pray that you would do that for those who raise their hand, Lord, in Jesus' name. There's a scripture in the book of Psalm, I think it's 5017, and it says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> and that means that he, that's a, a metaphor, that he is just beyond rich. And so I pray that you would fill all of us, Lord, with the measure of the fullness of God. Help us to lean into our family identity that the thing that identifies us the most when we say yes to Jesus is is Christ, that we are in Christ and that that is our identity. Thank you, Lord, for your family values of love and generosity. May we grow in those values, Lord. 
and oftentimes growth means that um, growth isn't always easy. There can be growing pains. Help us to press through that to become more and more like Jesus and, and live those values of love and generosity. Knowing that you don't ask us to do something that you don't give us the resources to do it with. So thank you, Lord, for the resources that you give us, your glorious riches and Holy Spirit power. May we become more and more like Jesus. And Lord, I pray that our very lives, I pray that our church as a whole, but I also pray that our very lives, that we would be safe, a safe place for people who are, are struggling with faith, people who are spiritually unresolved, people who have church hurt. We can all relate to that in one way or another, Lord. And I pray that we would be the type of people that attracts others to us, not because of us, but because of the Jesus in us. We just say that we're here for you, Lord. We want to be on mission with you. And it is your name and your renown that are the desires of our heart. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to invite our prayer partners to come on up. And if anyone would like some prayer, we'd love to pray with you. I'll stick around up here to pray with you as well. Out on our patio, our pee on the patio this Sunday is pistachios. And um, there's three different flavors. So, and we put them in little containers so you can get all three if you want. So enjoy some time connecting with others out on the patio. And always remember that Jesus loves you so very much. And so do Mark and I. Have a great week.